watching Milkshake Mondays. I'm Anita Helm, the wife of Pastor William Helm. I wanted to start by saying thank you all for watching. Thank you who are praying and interceding for our ministry. Uh, I want to thank our team of one who do all the production and editing and send things over to YouTube, Instagram, wherever we are on media. I do appreciate all the hard work of everybody that's behind the scenes and praying for us. It certainly has been a help and a strength to have the Lord's people uh, supporting us in prayer. I want to start off tonight talking in episode 37 about the responses. And I put two responses, but for each of the teaching, the pieces of the teaching tonight, you're going to see that there are two types of Christians or potential Christians and also those naysayers. And I wanted to kind of find this question to you tonight and say, which are you? Uh, many of us as Christians are in different phases of our lives and those who are God may be pulling or drawing through the Holy Spirit, you're in a phase of your life and those who are rejectors of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in a phase of your life as well. So I wanted to start off with some perspective. God is the same today, yesterday and forever. And I wanted to show you something in Genesis 6 which you'll see some of the actual parallels that are happening now in the 21st century. So if you go over to Genesis 6, starting with verse 5, this is what it reads. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I don't want to talk about Genesis 6 so much because those of us who know our ministry, we're, this June, we are going to Kentucky to see the Ark Encounter. But I wanted you to see in the passages of chapter 6 through 8 how the Lord not only told us why he was doing this but he also said to Noah he said that Noah was a just man he didn't say he was a perfect man but ultimately he told Noah the specifications of what the ark would be but he actually told Noah before he started building the ark he said only eight people are going to be going on that ark now if you know anything about the story of Noah people have debated how many years it took to build the ark, whether it was 120 years or it's 45 to 75 years, whatever the debate, it was a lot of time. And in that time, Noah was preaching, we need to repent. And that Lord, the Lord is, is unhappy and sorrowful about the state of, the, of man. And it's gonna rain. And God is gonna destroy the earth through rain. But out of all that teaching for all those years, whether you believe it's 120, 20 years or 75 years or 45 years, that's a lot of time for people to have no response to that God is about to do something to destroy and to pass judgment. And I want to show you in the New Testament how we find ourselves having people declare truth, but the responses that we have in the Bible in the New Testament are the same responses that you're having every day as Christian believers going out to talk to the stranger or the friend or the people that you really don't know that well or don't like that much. But the responses are similar. But I want you to see something. And we're gonna to go to 
Acts chapter 26. And for those of you who know the word of God, you probably know the scene of what's going on with Paul. But for those who don't, I want to break it down. Paul has been incarcerated. He's in jail. He's a prisoner. And he's pleaded that he's not just a Jew, he's a Roman. And because of that, the people who have him as captors know they just can't do anything to a Roman. Roman will come after you. Rome takes very seriously their citizens and you just don't touch them. So in this case, he's talking about Jewish history, but he's also giving a testimony about who Christ is. And I'm not going to do the whole scripture, but I want us to start at a passage that's here so that you don't understand, so you understand something in verse 15. Now he's talked to them about his testimony, the, the road to Damascus. But the one thing that I want all of us to remember in our witness is that the bottom line of our witness is that people want to know who the Lord, the Holy Spirit is drawing, who is the Lord. And our witness doesn't have to be grandiose. You don't have to know all 66 books of the Bible, 1,189 verses. You don't have to know all of that. Some pastors and preachers and people that have gone to synagogues and all that stuff and they've gone to seminary, they know that. But for us who are just regular Christians, just want to do the work of Christ, you have to understand when they ask you that question or when you find yourself, what do I tell them? What do I talk to them about? Who is the Lord? And this is what verse 15 says. So Paul says, so I said, talking to Jesus, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. The message of what we are talking to people about is who is the Lord? And we believe that Jesus Christ is the one true and living God. The only way to the Father is through the Son. Bottom line, put a pin in it for a second. You don't have to fight people when they want to fight about the Lord because the word of God will fight for itself. And if somebody is seriously being drawn by the Holy Spirit, they're not going to be in a combative fighting nature. So when you start to talk about your witness for Christ, when you start to hear their response, it'll sync up to the fact that if the Holy Spirit tells you to go somewhere, then you know he's drawing. If you find yourself in a situation that God says, speak the word, you know he's drawing. But if you find yourself that you want to say something, always ask God. But sometimes the responses may not be so polite. And that's what we're going to see tonight. We're going to see the negative reaction or responses first before we go to a positive reaction. So drop down to verse 22. Paul is telling his testimony. In the audience are two different people. Both of them are politician. They are what you would say high and mighty people, political they're people that you would watch today on CNN and C-SPAN. They're in charge. One's a king, one's in charge as a ruler. One is called Festus and one is King Agrippa. And both of them are different in their responses, but the outcome is the same. They reject Jesus. They reject the message that Paul's going to proclaim. But I want you to find yourself. You're either in a situation where you're Paul and you're giving a witness. You're in Festus where you're going to say some things. And you're, or you may be a King Agrippa. So let's hear the story. In verse 22, it says, Therefore, having a, an apostle his witness, so he's saying what, he's, what the Spirit is allowing him to do in his witness. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other thing than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. That'll be important because 
we are talking now to Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus, Festus has got a crowd around him. And sometimes when you're witnessing with people, it may be one-on-one, -on -one, it will be maybe a handful, or sometimes it's a big crowd. You don't know where the Lord and the Spirit of God will orchestrate you to give this witness. But in this case, Festus has a bunch of people around him. You know big shots, they have an entourage. Well, Festus is going to show out a little bit. He's heard this message from Paul, and look what happens. It says here, now, I lost my spot, give me one second. It says here that the, it says here in verse 22, and then we're going to go to 23, that the Christ would suffer, that he would that he would be first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim the light to Jewish people and to Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, people were arrogant with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. He's telling Paul, you are a fool. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. I don't know what's going on with you, Paul, but, but this is crazy talk. And some people, when you share about the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the one true and living God, they will believe that you're a fool, that you don't know what you're talking about. Don't you know you should be believing in this God? That you should be believing in that God? You should be believing this, that, and the other. But you can't believe that Jesus is the only true and living God, that Jesus is the Lord. And he called him crazy, that he was mad. But look at what Paul responds back to him. In verse 25, it says, but he, talking about Paul, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. He didn't cuss him out. He didn't fuss him out. He gave him the respect of his title and his position. He said, I'm not mad. You said something that's not true. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to act a fool. But I'm not mad, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. The word of God is truth. That's the bottom line that you have to tell people as you share the gospel. Whether their response is positive or negative. I'm speaking the truth. For the king, now as you're going to see in these scriptures, Paul knows what Festus's response is. But he has another person, King Agrippa, right there. And King Agrippa, he knows, has been around to see what has been unfolding with the Jews and with Jesus and the crucifixion. So he's a, a, aware of things. So Paul has changed his focus from Festus, who basically says, you're a fool, you're mad, I'm not listening to you, I'm not receiving. Paul is putting his attention to the next person, King Agrippa. So in verse 26, it says, For the king before whom I also speak freely, second person, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention. Reiterating, I know you've been paying attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner, all this stuff going on, he knows what's going on. It hasn't been hidden. It's been in the streets with all his talk. And King Agrippa, do you put him on the spot? Again, the question is, who is the Lord? And Jesus Christ said, He is the Lord. So he's asking a direct question. And some of us stop have have to stop asking questions in the roundabout ways and be direct. And here's his question to King Agrippa. Do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe, but a lot of people say they believe in Jesus Christ, but the demons believe. And they will yell and say, you are the Christ, but they don't want to follow. They don't want to have him as Lord. And that's what some people will find themselves as a response when it comes to the things of God. They know that there's a God, 
I heard one of my nephews said, uh, oh, I'm going to thank the man upstairs. God is not a man. He's a spirit. And he's the all-knowing, all-powerful. And people know that there is a God. But here's what happens in their response. They get so far and they stop. They get this far and they, they stop. I'll, I'll do this, but I don't want to believe enough to really give my life. I don't want to believe enough to make him Lord. And this is what happens in verse 28. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, he's not dumb. You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. That is the most tragic statement that anyone, king or a queen, peasant, poor person, in between, can say. That they would hear the truth of God's word and say, I almost was persuaded. And a lot of people who don't want to go to church, don't want to hear the word of God, don't really want to commit in the way God says to commit. They want to do it their ways. They're almost persuaded to become a Christian. They're almost persuaded to follow what God says. They're almost persuaded to give as God says. They're almost persuaded to live the life. It's like those 10 virgins from last week. They're a little foolish. And because of the foolish, they may find themselves knocking at the outside of the door. But in this case, all of these people, Festus and King Agrippa, will find themselves having that videotape rung and running over and over again to remind them of the time when they heard the truth and they were almost, and their almost persuasion found themselves in hell. I want you to see another situation where the truth is proclaimed, but that response is totally different. I want you to go backwards to Acts 10. Now, we've talked about Acts 10 before. We've talked about Peter and the, th the times that God has been training him up to, to cut out some old prejudices and things that he's had in his tradition as a Jew, not mingling with Gentiles, and how we won't go back to the story of when we're going to see some parts of the story, but I won't get into the issues that God has been dealing with Peter when it comes to partiality. But I want you to see Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 at the very beginning He's a centurion of power. God has taught him enough that he has a recognition of God, like Agrippa. He believes, but he's not a Christian. There are some people in our lives, you may be yourself, where you're a good person. You're kind. You help with charity. You do good things, but you're not godly. You'll give. You'll share. You'll do. You'll help, but you're not committed. You haven't made that declaration that you believe in God, Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's a God to you. He's to be respected and feared, but he's not, you, you're almost, you're that almost stage, but you haven't fully committed. And that's why I said the two different choices are to almost be persuaded and to be fully persuaded. Now, in this case, the Lord sees fit to have Cornelius to have an angel that comes before him and tells him that God has recognized what he's been doing, giving of alms, praying continually. And God is going to have this angel come and actually talk to Cornelius. Now, here's what's happened. So in verse 4, it says, And when he observed him, he was afraid. He saw the angel. He was afraid. And he said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. God is appreciating it, recognizing it. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
He will tell you what you must do. When the Lord and his spirit draw you as the person, in this case, you may be the Peter character, and the Lord is having these people come into your life. Come into the cafeteria and sit beside you. Go to the work, and you happen to go to the restaurant, and somebody's there. Or go to the parking lot, or go to the somewhere you may be grocery shopping. Wherever the place is, the Lord can orchestrate it. And in this case, you see Cornelius is told who? Not just any Simon. Simon with the surname of Peter. Not just any location. Here they said that he's in Caesarea, but they're sending him to another location that's a day's journey. And they're saying, you need to go to this guy's house. He's a tanner to find Simon, surnamed Peter, because he's got something he's going to tell you. This is an angel talking to Cornelius. And he's orchestrating all that. So the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father don't have this thing of saying, oh, let me just figure this out. No, they have a plan. And they have a purpose. And that purpose is to draw those who are of the kingdom of God, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In this case, Peter is there. And if you have time to read Acts chapter 10, he's there and he's having a vision. He's hungry. And God is bringing down the sheep with the unclean animals. And he's saying, I'm not going to eat this. And then the Lord says, what God has cleansed you must not call common. And that's in verse 15. So Peter acknowledges that he's going to come. But I want you to see the response. In the handful of minutes we have, I want you to jump over to verse 22 of Acts chapter 10. Now the Lord says he's going to tell you, meaning Peter's going to come and tell you what you must do. Some of us, when the Lord is drawing us and we're leaders of families or we're in charge of something, you can be selfish and say, oh, I only want to know about what God's going to do for myself. But if you really realize that God is about to do something important and teach you and you've had an angel visit, you don't just want it for yourself. You want it for the people in your lives. And that's exactly what happened with Cornelius. When Peter gets to Cornelius' house, he's almost shocked that the house is full of people. Because Cornelius is just not getting the word of God for himself. He wants his relatives. He wants his close friends and his household. Everybody's in the house. And he's going to share the, the truth of God's word with them. Whatever he's going to get for himself, he doesn't just, doesn't just want it for himself. He wants it for the people he loves, the people he interacts with. Because if he's going to get truth, he wants that whole message to be spread. Look at the difference in the response. The response that Peter's going to have, which he's going to realize that God's got to do some retraining of his brain. You ain't going to call my people that I'm planning to, to, to witness to and get them saved. You ain't going to say you're not going. You're going to go. And that's what Peter is told by the Holy Spirit. You go with these guys that are coming from Cornelius because I'm telling you to. So that's obedience that some of us have to get and get out of our comfort zone and go and say. And not make excuses. I didn't know what to say. It wasn't for me to say. No, the Holy Spirit is drawing and he needs to use all of us. So in verse 22... And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man who fears God and his good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed. So these guys are telling Peter what's going on. He's divinely instructed, so come on. So here we go. Then he invited them in and lodged. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Something's about to happen. Peter's taking a group. Cornelius has a group. And so they're all coming because they want to hear what thus saith the Lord. I have no idea why all of our pews and our chairs are empty 
when the word of God is being proclaimed and your lives are screwed up and messed up? What's going on that you don't have time to hear? But these people realize something in the word of God is about to be proclaimed and they want to hear. So verse 24 says, and the following day they entered into Caesarea. You know, it took a day. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. And Peter said, oh, no, no, no. Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am just a man. He says, I also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know, now here's Peter. I won't get into all this part. Peter's trying to explain to them how Jews don't go and associate with people out of another nation. Basically, we don't hang out with you Gentiles. Y'all are not our people. Y'all ain't our peeps. We don't hang out with you. This is not right. It's unlawful. It's against our tradition. I could get in trouble for this kind of conversation. But when the Lord draws you where he wants you to be, it doesn't matter if you're going to talk to a prostitute. It doesn't matter if you're going to talk to a drug dealer. If it doesn't matter that you're going to talk to a felon, somebody that's been a murderer, you are going to where the Lord is telling you to go. And he's going to protect and provide you. And he's going to open the hearts of man and woman that he will draw you to. So anyway, he goes on to try to tell them, you know, this is not what we do. Verse 28, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. I got to put a pin in this objection. He came without objection. I tend to say things plainly. I don't try to put on and I, we started Milkshake Money to keep things simple. People object to going where they're not welcome. They're objecting to going any place where they could be rejected, any place where they're not going to feel like their people are there. They look different. Somebody's white, you're black. Somebody speaks Spanish, you speak English. Oh, it's so many barriers that we throw up as Christians to go talk to other people. But God is saying, he wants us to go without objection. That is a problem with we Christians. People who are all these other things that we would call not of God, they can go two by two. But we can't go one. We can't go with two. We can't go with five. We just want to stay in the barrier of the rooms and the brick and mortar. And as long as we have a program with an agenda, with, with an invitation through the mail, we can do it. We can do it because we're fishing in the fishbowl. But we have to go to places the Lord wants us to go to without objection. It says here, therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then for what reason have you sent me? And then Cornelius goes and tries to explain exactly what happened with the angel, what was said. But I want you to see the response. The response is that Peter is going to start proclaiming what the message of God, the truth of God's gospel is. And there's going to be such a response that the Holy Spirit is going to show up. I mean, manifest himself to the point they're going to be speaking in tongues. And Peter's going to say, what prevents me from, or any of these people from being baptized? Watch, I've seen that God is, shows no partiality here. These people's response is overwhelming. The whole group 
is on fire with the cloud of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. That is a response where you're fully persuaded. You're not half-stepping. You're not almost persuaded to be a Christian. You have done it to the point the Holy Spirit has shown up. And he's speaking, he has them speaking with tongues like they were in Acts 2. I mean, how wonderful, how wonderful. Verse 34, when I was talking to the senior citizens, they're sometimes they're quiet, sometimes they're talking out ahead, sometimes a lot of things are going on. But the part that I was telling them past Sunday was that verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, God cannot use our silence. We think, yes, we pray, and that's important. But even in our prayers, we have to open our mouths. Yes, God can understand us if we don't open our mouths. God doesn't care if our eyes are open or closed. But people, in order for them to see a witness, sometimes they will visually see how you live. But sometimes God is going to say, you need to open your mouth and tell them about the word of God. Explain to them about the love of God. Explain to them about who Jesus Christ is. Open your mouth. My husband has been hiccuping for months. And y'all noticed on Friday, he wasn't hiccuping. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. But God wants us to open our mouth, whether we hiccup, whether we burp it out, whatever. You got to open your mouth and share the message of the gospel. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. I really don't care if Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, if a white person, if a red person, if a green person, if a yellow person, if a purple person, I don't care. We're brothers in Christ. We went a couple weeks ago to a memorial service and we were in a congregation that you would say it was a white congregation. We were hearing the word of God proclaimed. We were singing the praises of Jesus. It doesn't matter our color. I was telling the people at Sunrise just the other day, I said, inside of us is the same organs. Inside of us is the same blue blood until it's oxygen, it turns red. But all of us have the same inners. All of us have the heart that we should want to love God. We want to respond and receive the message of Christ Jesus. I have to ask you, are you in a state of Peter? Are you one of those people who know Christ, he's working on you, but you object or you have your issues where you really don't like those type of people, the other? Or are you Cornelius where you don't really know God in the sense of a personal relationship? You're a good person. You're kind, generous. You do nice things. People think you're a good guy, good gal. But you don't know Christ. But with the opportunity, you could pray to God and say, God, I want to know. I want to learn of you and you receive his word and you receive his spirit and you share amongst your family members and those in your influence. Or are you on the other side where you're almost or you're mocking or you're spewing crazy talk like, oh, all those Christian people, they're mad. You're putting stuff on the Facebook about how white Jesus this and oh, we're not going to believe this and this is the white man's religion and this is our captors. Foolishness being ignorant yourself, all the way until eternal damnation. Are you King Agrippa? You're almost persuaded. You know a lot. You see things going on. You're not realizing exactly what all it means, but you have this opportunity. Well, somebody comes and teaches you the truth, but you get to the point to say, I'm almost persuaded, but no. No, I don't want to receive it.
every week I pray to the Lord about what he wants to teach. And I don't know exactly what that will be until he lays it on my heart. But that part about almost persuaded, it bugged me. Because there are some of you who take for granted that you have the right relationship with the Lord because you have some knowledge of God and you have some belief and you believe God. But God is trying to share with you, you have to make sure you're fully persuaded of who God is and you're connected to the vine, to the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not good enough to be Cornelius and you do good things because there are good people that are going to be in hell. They're going to be very kind people that are going to find themselves in a lake of fire because they knew something, but they didn't know him. And conversely, Jesus Christ didn't know them. And I don't want that for anybody. It says it's not as well that any should perish, but we understand there will be people who perish. But I pray the whole purpose of Milkshake Monday, one of my coworkers said, what is Milkshake Monday? And when I know that he really wants to have that understanding, it's not just something he's throwing something back at him, I really will continue to share with him the truth of God's word, nugget by nugget, because I really desire in my heart that we share and give people the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is for themselves personally. I'm not perfect. Rev is not perfect. Our kids are not perfect. Nobody in our church is perfect, but we have a desire to share the message of truth of who Jesus Christ is because this world is getting worse. The evilness in this world is getting worse and more in your face. I mean, I'm seeing commercials where it's in your face. Everything that God will say he hates, it's in your face. And we're embracing it and we're falling in love with it as Christian believers too we're just kind of lukewarm in some of these situations but we have to get serious and on fire for what the lord wants us to do i do thank you every week for joining in share the truth if you don't feel comfortable share a video of the bible study from reverend helm or teaching from sunday school share it that's the whole purpose it's a free medium share these messages if you don't feel comfortable then open it up and you guys talk through it it's the word. Every week we put the word of God in the scriptures so you have a platform to go and just walk through it. It's only 30 minutes. Take the time to learn of God. I love you and thank you.